Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this show is produced by Chatterbox Sports. Thanks again to everyone who has subscribed and shared this around so far. I really appreciate all of the support. This is a daily Monday through Friday digest show where you can find everything you need to know about Cincinnati area college hoops in a 10 to 15 minute episode. On today's show, I talked to Rick Broering, the NKU radio analyst and publisher of musketeerreport.com. We talked about Xavier's win over Fairfield on Tuesday night, and we also previewed Wednesday's game between NKU and UC at BB&T Arena. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's start off, though, with Kentucky. The Wildcats lost in a thriller in the Champions Classic to Michigan State, 86-77 in double overtime. Oscar Shibway is probably the best player in the country, everybody, and he played like it. Shibway had 22 points and 18 rebounds for UK. Severe Wheeler, he also had a nice game, had 16 points and 8 assists, but the Wildcats, they had chances late at the free throw line to close it out and couldn't convert. After losing by one to Gonzaga on the aircraft carrier last Friday, Michigan State gets a big win in Indianapolis. Kentucky is now 1-5 in the last six Champions Classic games. Kansas beat Duke 69-64 in the other Champions Classic game on Tuesday night. For UC, decision day has arrived for top recruit Isaiah Collier, and according to some reports on Twitter, he was still undecided as of Tuesday. This has been one of the most tight-lipped recruitments in recent memory, and all four schools, UC, USC, UCLA, and Michigan, are waiting to hear where he will decide to play his college basketball. UC travels to NKU to play the Norse tonight at 7 p.m. at BB&T Arena, and you can watch that game on ESPN+. Right now, the Bearcats are 7.5-point favorites as I record this. For more on that game, as well as Xavier's win over Fairfield last night, let's hear from Rick Broering. Joined now by NKU radio analyst Rick Broering, also the publisher of MusketeerReport.com. He and I are sitting here courtside after the Xavier Musketeers win over the Fairfield Stag. Xavier goes to 3-0 on the season. Talk some Xavier here, Rick, and also going to preview the NKU and UC game, which for everybody listening will be tonight when this happens and when this gets published on Wednesday morning. So, Rick, thanks for being here. Xavier, trailing at halftime tonight, we'll start with the X-Men, but rally for a big second half. Zach Fremantle goes for a triple-double, first one since Miles Davis back against Providence in 2016. Musketeers turned it around in the second half. Yeah, it was the first time we really saw this team face adversity, and they faced adversity before the game even tipped off because Colby Jones was announced as unavailable after he got hurt at practice the day before the game. He sprained his ankle, it sounds like, and uh, he's going to be questionable for Friday as well. So Sean Miller said after the game that he wants to see him go through a practice, wants to see him go through a shoot-around. But in terms of this game tonight, they got off to that slow start. I think there were some moving pieces without Colby being in the lineup, and uh, they fell behind. But they answered that adversity well. They did a good job in the second half of getting back to what's made them successful through the first two games. And I think the big keys there were getting the ball inside and promoting good ball movement on the offensive end again. Yeah, and Zach Fremantle didn't have a great start to this game. Had some turnovers, got beat a couple of times defensively. But Sean Miller talked about it in the postgame press conference that he put that behind him. It's like a bad hole in golf. Put it behind him, got things moving into the later part of that first half and then into the second half, especially finishes with that triple-double. Jack Nungy, 
if he had made some more free throws, he could have finished up around 30 points tonight. Had kind of struggled from the line, but Nunji, he showed a lot of versatility tonight. He passed the ball well. He, he, he scored really well. He could step out and uh, shoot the ball from deep as we've seen him over his career. So Xavier showed some of that versatility, and without their best player, you saw Adam Kunkel step up too. Yeah, I thought Adam Kunkel was really the key for them in the first half. Had he not played well and make three three-pointers in that first half of play, who knows where Xavier would have been when halftime came around. As it stood, they were only down by a basket. It made it easy for them to kind of get back in and, and overtake the Stags in the second half. But um, I think going back to Zach Fremantle, the triple-double that he poured in and the way he overcame that slow start is not insignificant because I think if you look at previous years with Zach Fremantle, there have been times where once he kind of gets off track, it seems like you've lost him for the game, and he's just going to have one of those games for Zach. And, uh, and th- this game wasn't like that. And I think that goes back to him just being more consistent in terms of his effort, his attention to detail, and buying into what the coaching staff is asking of him. Rick, anything else about this game for you from the Xavier perspective before now you turn your attention toward Friday night, won't play again before the Indiana game here at Cintas. Colby Jones, though, status questionable for Friday. So, Anything that you're looking at out of this game toward the Indiana game? Well, I think the biggest thing is if you're a fan and you're wondering, oh, no, is this a bad sign for what's to come? This game would not worry me. Now, does Xavier have its deficiencies, and are there some concerns overall about this team? Yes, it's a lot of the same things we talked about in the offseason and going back to last year's team. But in terms of this performance, I don't think this was a bad sign. I think this team has things moving in the right direction, and they're continuing to make strides. I would put this on more so the injury to Colby Jones and the fact that Fairfield, let's face it, they have an experienced team. They came out playing fearless basketball and kind of took it to Xavier with some of the shots they were knocking down in the first half. All right, let's turn our attention now to the the big one for you, which will be tonight when everybody's listening to this, NKU and UC. Bearcats going over the river, over to BB&T for this game tomorrow night. Uh, Rick, you've seen the Norse play this year. You're the radio analyst. You know them better than just about anybody around this program. What has stood out to you about NKU, a season-opening loss to Kent State and a, a blowout loss at that against a Kent State team that returns the MAC Player of the Year from last year? What did you learn from that game, Rick, and, and what are you looking for tomorrow night out of the Norse? Well, we learned that Kent State is very good, and NKU got off to a slow start in that game, but really even in the first half against UC Claremont this past weekend, they just played sluggish offensively, Marquez Warwick being the biggest factor there. He is their best player, their best scorer on the offensive end, and he just hadn't been himself through the first uh, 50 or 60 minutes of basketball, I guess I should say, but then all of a sudden... The, the switch was flipped for him, and he went off in the second half of that game, finished with, I think, 26 or so points yeah. in that one, ended up with a monster performance and looked like the Marquez work that we know. Now, Sam Vincent didn't play against UC Claremont over the weekend because he had rolled his ankle as well uh, in the game against Kent State. So his status is questionable, although I think it was mostly precautionary in terms of why he was sitting out. So I would expect him to be back against Cincinnati, or at least there's a very good possibility that he will be, and that'll make a big difference for NKU. For me, this game really comes down to the big three for both teams. And on UC side, you've got Marquez Warwick, you've got Sam Vincent, and you've got Trayvon Faulkner. They're going to need all three of those guys to NKU get it going. Side. Did I say UC? Yeah. Excuse me. On NKU's <laughs> side, you've got the big three, Trayvon Faulkner, Marquez Warwick, <laughs> and uh, Sam Vincent. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to have to get good play out of all three of those guys. Yeah, I don't think UC would need – they would want those guys going off tomorrow night right no they don't want them going <laughs> off that's for sure yeah, but but on uc's side uh, uh their big three 
when you look at how UC has played this year, you have a scare against Cleveland State. It was close against EKU, but they pull away late, and the score at the end uh, looked a lot better than how that game was with about five minutes left. So for UC, this is going to be a test going over to an NKU team that is experienced. They have some skill, especially if Sam Vincent plays tomorrow night. What are you looking for out of the Bearcats? Well, I think for them, it's like like I said, the, the big three for them have to play well also. And uh, for them, David DeJulius and Landers Nolly are the top two. Uh, Jeremiah Davenport has kind of slidden down a little bit in terms of the pecking order offensively, and that's a good thing for them. If he doesn't have to be relied on to score as much, he's more effective as a motor guy and a glue guy and a guy that can knock down some occasional three-point shots for you. So I I think that has made them a little more balanced and and a little more – given them a little more firepower overall offensively. Uh, But that has also been the concern through their first two games is it still hasn't been quite enough because they've gotten off to some good starts, and then they've hit a wall, and they've allowed these mid-major teams to hang around with them they haven't been able to put them away so that's what I'm going to be watching for even if they get that lead early will they actually be able to put their foot on the gas pedal and put that game away so what do you think tomorrow night for the Norse with as much as you've seen them play this year over the last couple of years what do you think for the Norse they got to do on their home court to get a win like this that would mean a lot for this program for the home fans that'll be there a game that means a lot because this is that return game for UC being able to use the court and everything like that a couple of years ago. So th- this is a, a game that has been building, right? And I know NKU fans are very much looking forward to it. I'll be there tomorrow night. Uh, what are you looking for out of the Norse? You got to make UC make shots. I think that's the biggest key. So what does that mean? It means don't foul them and put them at the free throw line and don't give them second chance points on offensive rebounds in in the paint. Those are the two biggest keys, I think, for NKU. If they beat you from three, knocking down a bunch of shots, so be it. That's You're probably not going to beat them in that case anyway. So I think that would be my key for NKU is make sure you don't beat yourself with fouls, giving up offensive boards, or giving up live ball turnovers that will lead to run out baskets. Rick, thanks so much. See you tomorrow night. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Let's wrap up some other Tuesday scores. I know I said I wouldn't talk too much about Louisville, but they're too big of a topic to leave out right now. The Cardinals incredibly lost by one again last night at home, this time to Appalachian State 61-60 to fall to 0-3 on the season with a total margin of defeat in those three losses of just three points. The Kenny Payne era is off to a rough Rough start down in Louisville. Wright State beat Bowling Green 80-71 at home to move to 2-1 on the season. Amari Davis led the Raiders with 19 points, and Brandon Knoll had a double-double with 10 points and 11 rebounds. And to wrap up the show, the reason I'm recording this at 2.01 in the morning is because the Dayton Flyers put their 2-0 record on the line out west in the Pacific time zone and came up short against UNLV. Anthony Grant's Flyers had a 32-22 lead at the half, but the Running Rebels outscored Dayton 38-20 in the second half to win 60-52. Special thanks to one of my friends, Steve Miller, a Dayton alum who helped me with some coverage of this game through the first half before I got home from the Xavier game. Dayton turned the ball over 12 times in each half, and UNLV had 27 points off of those turnovers. Tumani Kamara only played 12 minutes and went to the bench with ice on his knee, which is something to keep an eye on for Dayton. Because of that, UNLV was able to focus more on Deron Holmes, neutralized him, and UNLV ended up winning, like I said, by eight. 
The Flyers go back to UD Arena for a game on Saturday against Robert Morris before heading down to the Battle for Atlantis next Wednesday against Wisconsin. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Congratulations to everybody who won the war and got their Taylor Swift tickets yesterday. I have a happy girlfriend because I was part of that crowd that was lucky enough to wait in line for five hours on Ticketmaster and come through in the clutch. Looking forward to being at BB&T Arena tonight for UC and NKU. If you like the show, leave a rating and a review and share it with your friends. Have a great Wednesday, everybody, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.